With Hashem's assistance, we are learning Baba Metziah, Daf Chaf, page 20. We begin at the Mishnah. Matzah Igreis Shum v'Igreis Mazoin. Let's say somebody found a lost document which represents an evaluation of the courts in regards to the possessions of a borrower, stating that he has to give those possessions, let's say, to the person who lent him money. Or you have another document which has to do with food. What's this document with food? Rashi explains that sometimes a person will marry a woman who already has a daughter from a previous marriage, and he'll guarantee the woman he's marrying that he's going to give food to her daughter. So that's an igreis mazoin. Shtari chalitza. Let's say somebody found a document stating that there was a chalitza performed. Chalitza is where there's a woman who was married to a man, and they didn't have any children. So now the Torah says that such a woman has to marry his brother. And now if they don't want to get married, so they have to perform chalitza, which is a type of divorce. So a document stating that this type of divorce occurred. Umiunin. A miun is a refusal. What's a refusal? So Rashi explains that sometimes you have a girl who's a minor, and her father has died, so it's not possible for her to get married from the Torah. However, the sages instituted that her mother or her brother have the ability to marry her off. But it only works from the sages. So the sages also instituted that if she wants to, she can actually refuse staying married to this man. All she does is come in front of a court of three people, and they write her a document stating that she has refused to remain married to him. Ushtari beurin, or documents that are clarifications. The Gemara will explain exactly what this means. The Kolmai Sebezdin, any document which represents something that the Bezdin, the court, has accomplished, so we return such a document. Rashi explains that the reason that we return such a document is because the, the courts would not have written this document unless it had taken place, whatever the document states. So, therefore, there's no reason to be concerned that perhaps it was written at an earlier time, it was given at a later time. No, the courts only write it when they're giving it. So there's no such concern. Now, the next part of the Mishnah, so until now we've been speaking about the concept whether a person should return a document because there might be an unlawful use of that document. Now we're going to start speaking about the concept of returning documents where or objects if they have a sign or not. Meaning, if let's say somebody loses an object, so you're going to find it and you're going to have an obligation to return it only if that person is going to look for it. Meaning, if the person doesn't have any distinguishing factor on this thing that he's lost that will be able to prove that this is indeed his, so he's not going to look for it and you don't have to return it. You can keep that lost object. However, if it has some distinguishing factor that he would be able to prove that it's his, so then he will look for it and you would have to return it. Now, let's say you find a document inside of a vessel or inside of a special document carrying case. Or you find a group, a bundle, some bound documents that are bound together. So that's considered a significant sign. There's a distinguishing factor to all of these items and therefore the person is going to look for it and you have to try to return it. What's considered a bundle of documents. We have three documents that are tied to each other. says, Let's say you have three documents that are bound together, and there are three different loans that are spoken about, but they have one thing in common, and that is they're all talking about the same person who's borrowing the money. So you return these documents to the borrower. But if let's say you have three documents, and they all have the same lender, so clearly these three documents all belong to that one lender, and therefore you return it to the lender. Let's say a person finds a document amongst his documents that clearly was given to him as he was supposed to act as a third party. He is neither the lover, the borrower, nor the lender. And there are two of his friends who are written on it. And he doesn't remember who gave it to him, if the borrower gave it to him to watch or the lender gave it to him to watch. So what you do is, So it stays in escrow, so to speak, until Elijah the prophet comes and clarifies the matter to whom it actually belongs. Now, let's say you have a different 
different case where you have amongst your documents you find you have a document stating that somebody owes you money but you also have right next to you have a document stating that that person paid and you're not sure if you actually gave this document to the person who paid or he never paid you don't remember what happened with this document so you assume says the Mishnah that in fact the guy paid but what happened Rashi explains that the guy says to you he trusts you and he says you know hold on to this document stating that you paid until tomorrow I can't pick it up right now and give it to me tomorrow and then the guy forgot to come and pick it up so you, therefore you assume that in fact the guy did pay and he just forgot to pick up the document stating that he's paid we begin the Gemara we want to understand what was in the Mishnah when we refer to these documents that have to do with clarification what are these documents that are written by the courts the Gemara says here they explained in Babylonia these are documents that state each person's claim Rabbi Yirmiya says each person gets his document stating on it exactly what he's claimed and Rashi explains that the reason that we do this is we write down exactly what their claim is so that they don't say later on oh I, I want to change my claim we know exactly what their claim was initially they can't change their claim Whatever they want to say, they have to say at the onset, it's written down inside of this document. So if you find such a document, it needs to be returned. The Gemara continues with a quote from the Mishnah. We said in the Mishnah that if somebody finds a document stating on it, an action that the courts took, so you can return that document because we can be sure that the courts wrote it and they used that document immediately. There was a certain document which stated a divorce, the Shtakach Bidina de Ravuna, that was found in the court of Ravuna. It said on the document that the place where this document was written was in this town called Shviri, which is on the Rachis River. And Rashi says that this document it had a stamp on it saying that the courts had verified this document and the person who had brought the document, the messenger he said that's indeed the document that I brought and it fell from me Amar Rav Hunas, Rav Hunas says he says that we can't return this document to the people involved because we have to be worried that actually there are two different towns with the same name so even though, says Rashi, that normally we assume that in one town you don't have two people where their name and their wives' names are exactly the same we don't assume that it fell from the other person that was trying to divorce his wife. Nevertheless, it is possible that there's another place with the same name, and in that place, there is somebody else with the same name, another person, a man with the same name who's trying to divorce his wife, who also has the same name. So therefore, we can't return this document. So now Rav Chizah says to Rabba, Puk Ayin, look into this matter, go out and look into this matter, because in the, in the evening, so Rav Hun is going to ask you about this question. Nafak, he went out, he looked into the matter and he found the following Mishnah, which is our Mishnah. So we see in the Mishnah that if you have a document that clearly came through the courts, you return the document, it's a completely valid document. So that would seem to answer this question whether or not this document should be returned to the person, to the messenger who's claiming that in fact it fell from him. So Rav Amram turns to Rabbah who said this answer from the Mishnah and he says to him as follows, How can you prove anything from the Mishnah? The Mishnah is talking about a case of monetary issues and we are discussing matters of prohibition. Why? Because a woman, so if she's considered divorced, then she's going to be allowed to marry someone who is prohibited to her previously, right? But if she's not considered divorced, then she's going to be forbidden from marrying these people. So therefore, you can't prove anything from the Mishnah which is talking about monetary matters. It's completely different. So in the case of monetary matters, it could be that you would return a document, but in regards to prohibitions like this, you don't return a document. Amar lay, so Rava responded, he was upset. To Radhi, he said, you're crazy. What does this in the Mishnah? It talks about documents that have to do with divorce as well. Prohibitions. This document has to do with a woman who's supposed to marry her brother-in-law, and they didn't get married. Or a young lady, a minor, who only got married from the sages, and she's refusing to stay married to her husband. So, we see that we do talk about these types of cases. Now, what's interesting here is that we see there was a tremendous amount of emotional charge around this conversation between Rabbah and Rav Amram. And what happened at the same 
moment was very interesting. Poka Arza de Rav, exactly when they were discussing this matter, when they were going at each other's throats, so to speak, so the beam, the main beam that was holding up the yeshiva, it kind of cracked, it broke. So one of the two sages said that it was because of my mazel. It was because of the heavens, so to speak, were saying on my behalf that the way you were asking your question was inappropriate. And the other one said, no, it was because of my mazel, because the heavens were speaking on my behalf. The way that you responded to me was inappropriate. And the Marshal explains that over here, it wasn't that they were each taking credit and saying, oh, it's my greatness that caused the destruction. Rather, the Pshat's understanding is that each of them was saying that in a certain sense, their mazel, the connection that they had to the heavens above, was, was greater. And therefore, God was standing up, so to speak, for their honor. We said in the Mishnah that if you find a document inside of one of these two things, so it's going to be considered a significant sign and you should return it. My Chafisa, what's a Chafisa? I'm a Rabbi Barchana. Rabbi Barchana says, Chemis Kitana. It's a small leather flask that was used for wine. My Daluskima, what's a Daluskima? I'm a Rabbi Barshmuel, Talika the Savi. He says that this is a wallet or some kind of pouch that was used by elderly people to place in there their important objects. And therefore, if you find a document in either of these two things, it has a significant sign and it needs to be returned. We said in the Mishnah that if one finds a number of documents that are bound together, one should return it. What's considered a group of documents that are bound together? It has to be at least three. We'll see at the end of the Gemara exactly why it has to be specifically three as opposed to two. What's considered a bundle of documents? It's three that are tied to each other. So the Gemara says we can deduce from the second case of this bundle, where we said that they're tied together, that the fact that they're tied, the way that they're tied, is their sign. Which is a question in general whether or not there are different ways of tying, if that's a significant, unique factor or not. We see over here that that is indeed a significant, unique factor. The Gemara says, hold on a second. Rebichia said in regards to the second case, that that's not the unique defining factor, the fact that there's a tie, a special tie, but rather the case is is, even the second case is talking about where they're bound together. And that's the sign that the person who lost it is going to be able to bring to prove that it's his. The Gemara says, hold on a second. If the second case is talking about a case where they're bound together, that's exactly the same as the first case. What's the difference? Then when we talk about the first case where they're bound together, we mean that they're all bound by their tops to each other. The, the second case where we talk about that they're, that they're bound in a bundle, that's talking about where they're placed on top of each other and they're bound on their sides. So that's the fine difference between these two cases. Now the Gemara says, My machris, when a person is coming to announce that he found these documents, what does he announce? Meaning, what information does he give in order that people should know that there's an object that's theirs that's been found? The Gemara says, Minion. The, he announces that he's found three documents. That's what he announces, and the person who's claiming his document comes and says that I lost three documents and they were bound. And that's his proof, that's his sim and his sign that says that indeed it belongs to him. The Gemara says, hold on a second. If that's the case, if he's announcing how many he's found, so then it shouldn't make a difference if, he, if he's found three or two. There should be no difference. Meaning, the only time that it could make a difference if you have two or three is if you're just saying without any specification of how many you found, you say, I found documents. So now, then there'll be a difference between two and three. Because by definition, when you say the word documents, the minimum plural amount of documents is two. So now, if you found two documents, you wouldn't announce it because by saying, I found documents, so when the person comes to claim his documents, by him saying, 
I lost two documents. It doesn't add any information to what we've said. He announced documents. By definition, the minimum is two. So therefore, two wouldn't be good enough. But three, you would be able to announce because three could be claimed because now there's added information that the person who's coming along to claim his thing is going to give us in order to prove that it indeed is his. So that's what the Gemara is saying. If all the information the person has to provide is just the fact that it's bound, he doesn't have to say the number because the number is being announced by the person who found it, so then there wouldn't be any distinction between three and two. So that can't be what's being announced. I like the Amar Ravina. So the Gemara says, rather it's like what Ravina says, Tivamachris, that if somebody finds money, so he announces, I found dollars. So so to over here, when you want to announce that you found something, so you say, I found documents. You don't specify how many. That's why there's a distinction between two and three. And when the person wants to come along and claim his objects, his, his documents, so he says, I lost three, let's say, and they were bound together, and therefore, he's going to be able to claim his documents. The Gemara continues, says, if you find the three documents, and it's one person who's borrowing from three different people, so obviously, return it to the person who's a borrower. Because if you would think, that they actually belong to the lenders, why are these three documents together? What are they doing in the same place? Clearly, they all belong to one lever, to one borrower. So Gemara says, hold on a second. Maybe they are three different peoples, and Likiuminu Azli. And they were on their way, the three different people were on their way to bring them to the judge who was going to certify these documents and say that these were indeed valid documents. And they were all doing it separately, but they all came to the same place, and they got left in that same place. Perhaps the judge who was supposed to sign it dropped it, and that's how come they're all together. But who says they actually belong to the lover, to the borrower? The Gemara says, no. We're talking about a case where they were already verified. So therefore, we have no reason to assume that it fell down. These three documents fell down from the three different parties who were lending the money, but rather, clearly they fell down from the one party who borrowed all this money. Maybe they fell from the hands of the sofa, the scribe. And the Maram Shif explains that what, what used to happen would be that these three people, let's say, different parties would bring it to the, to the Dayan, to the judge to verify, to certify these documents that they were real. And then the Dayan, the judge, would give it over to the sofa, the scribe, to collect the payment for his verification, for certification. So perhaps it fell from him, perhaps it fell from the scribe. And that's why you have three different documents that belong to three different lenders, and perhaps it doesn't belong to the person who borrowed, even though that's the guy who's written on all three documents. The Gemara answers, People do not leave documents that are already certified in the hands of the scribe, meaning as soon as it gets certified, so they pay whatever the fee was for the certification, and they immediately get the documents. So you have to assume that if the documents indeed are all together, there's only one reason why they're together, it's because they're from the lover, from the borrower, who's written on all three documents. The Gemara continues, We said that if, let's say, you have three different people who had borrowed from one person, all three documents have the same lender, so then you can assume it belongs to the lender, and you give it back to him. Because if you would think, that they all belong to the three different people who borrowed, what are these three documents doing together? Clearly, they all belong to that one person who was the lender in all three cases. Perhaps they do belong to the three different people who borrowed, and they were all in the same place because they were at the scribe who was writing them. says, no, It's clear that there was not one scribe here. There were actually three different scribes. There's three different handwritings on the three different documents. So that can't be the case. Perhaps they belong to all three of the loving, the borrowers, and all three documents were found in the same place because perhaps it was at the dine, it was at the judge who was about to verify and certify that these documents are indeed real documents.
So the Gemara says, Malva Mekayim Shtari. Love Le Mekayim Shtari. Generally speaking, the person who stands to benefit by certifying the document is the Malva, the person who lent the money. Not the person who's borrowing the money. The borrower would be happy if this document was never verified and he would never have to pay back the money that's owed. So theoretically, let's say you found it at the judge's place to be verified. Still, it's going to be belong to the Malva. It's going to be to the, the lender because he's the one who's going to be verifying these documents, not the Lovis. So we have no reason to assume that three different Lovis, three different borrowers had come to the judge in order to verify this document. Rather, clearly, they belong to the Malve, to the lender. The Gemara continues, We said in the Mishnah that if you have a document, and this document says that somebody owes you money, and alongside the document, you also have another document that says that the document is invalid, the one that says that you're owed money because he paid you back, it's a receipt of some sort, so then you assume that the receipt is indeed accurate, and for some reason the guy had paid you, but he didn't take his receipt. So now we're going to see a whole group of statements that seem to be contradictory to our mission, and we're going to bring our mission and try to understand what's going on. Review remember, Abba says the name of Rav as follows. If the Malva, the lender, has a document that says that he's been paid already, even if it's written with his own handwriting, it's just like it's a joke. It doesn't prove that he's actually gotten paid already. And not only in the case where it's written in the handwriting of a scribe. So over there, if it's written in the hand, handwriting of a scribe, we could say that the reason that it's not a proper document, it's not considered a good receipt, is because the reason that the lender has this document stating that he paid already is in case the guy comes to pay, he'll be able to easily pull out a receipt, and he had just happened to meet a scribe, and there aren't usually scribes in the neighborhood. So that's why he wrote this document, so that's an easy explanation. The cost of, that's why he wrote it. Even if he wrote it in his own handwriting puzzle, it's still not going to be considered that it's a valid receipt. Sovar, because it could be very well that he held, why did he write this document? So the guy's going to come to pay me back at a time when I can't write a receipt. And he's going to pay me. And if I don't give him a receipt, he's not going to give me money. So let me write it now. So that when he gives me the money, I'll be able to easily give him a receipt. And that's why he has this receipt. But it doesn't actually show in any way that he's been paid. Now the Gemara says, Tanan, we learned in our Mishnah, We said that if you have a document stating that you already got paid a receipt, so in fact, we consider it as if you have been paid. So what's going on? How do you explain that? The Gemara answers, Rav Safra, like Rav Safra says elsewhere in a different context, where we have a document that's being found amongst other ripped up documents, over here in this case as well, we can say that it was found amongst ripped up documents. So what does that mean? So Rashi explains that the scenario is as follows. We assume that the Malve, the person who lent the money, he has his document here because the lover, the borrower, had come to pay, and for whatever reason, he didn't take the receipt stating that he's already paid. So now, so what did the Malve do? The lender, he takes this document, this receipt, and he places it amongst his ripped up documents, the documents that he doesn't need anymore. That's why we're saying that, in fact, this document is considered a valid document. It's considered that he has received the money already, and this document is a valid receipt. Because since it's amongst those ripped up documents, it shows that the Malve, the lender, is not planning to use it. He's not waiting for the lover, the borrower, to come and pay. He's going to give him the receipt. Clearly, he already got the money. The receipt, for whatever reason, didn't get to the lover to the borrower, and instead the Malva, the lender, placed it amongst his ripped up documents. Tashima. The Gemara brings another proof to try to disprove what Rav said. 
Nimsali echot bin Shtaroisov, if let's say somebody finds amongst his documents, he finds a document that says as follows, Shtarishal Yosef ben Shimon Perua. The document of Yosef ben Shimon has already been paid. Shtarish Shneim Peruim. So Rashi explained the case is talking about where he, the guy has, the Malva, the lender, has two documents that state that he's lent money to Yosef ben Shimon, and there are two people with the same exact name, Yosef ben Shimon, and now he has a third document that says that the document of Yosef ben Shimon has been paid. So he's not sure exactly which document has been paid, the Yosef ben Shimon A or Yosef ben Shimon B. In any event, we say that the Malva, the lender, cannot collect from either of these two Yosef ben Shimons, either A nor B, because he has this document stating that he's already been paid. So that's a question on Rav, because Rav said that if he has such a document, the receipt, he just has it ready in case Yosef ben Shimon is going to pay. It doesn't mean that he's been paid already. So the Gemara answers, like we said previously, Kedamar of Safra, like Rav Safra says elsewhere, Shinimsa ben Shtar is Kruin, where the Shovar, the receipt is found amongst documents that are ripped up. Hachanami Shinimsa ben Shtar is Kruin. Here too, the Malve, the lender, has found the receipt amongst documents of his own that were ripped up. Thereby it shows that he doesn't have it prepared in order to give when the guy pays, but rather, it's already been paid. And for whatever reason, it was left at the Malv, at the lenders, and that's why he put it amongst his ripped-up documents. Tashima. Gemara brings another case. Let's say you have Yisomen. You have orphans who are trying to collect from other orphans. So the halacha, the law is, that it's necessary for the people who want to collect to swear. And that swear is like this. First they swear that they weren't told in the tzavo, in the will of their father, that there was anything about this money being paid. Vishali Omar Lano Abba, our father didn't tell us about anything about this money being paid. Not only that, they swear that they didn't find a document stating a receipt that said that they already got paid. When they make such a swear, so then they can indeed collect from other Yisomen, from other orphans. Now, what do we see? We see that if there had been a receipt, the indication is that, in fact, we would consider it as if there's a possibility that it had been paid. Why would we assume that? If anything, as we said, as Rav said, if there's a receipt, so that just means that the father had prepared that receipt in case somebody comes to pay. But it doesn't mean that it's actually a receipt of payment. So the Gemara answers again, Amar of Safra, it's similar to what Rav Safra says, that the document, the receipt was found amongst documents that were ripped up. Again, it was found amongst ripped up documents. This shows if they had indeed found such a receipt amongst those documents, that it is a real document. And he placed it there not because he was preparing it for someone when he decides to pay, but rather he placed it there because the guy didn't take it. The Gemara continues, Tashima. here's another proof against Rav. If let's say you have a document which states that there's a receipt, and the document has witnesses signed upon it, despite the fact that it's in the hands of the Malva, the lender, nevertheless, even if the Malva is claiming, the lender is saying, you know, I didn't get money yet, I just prepared this receipt, we don't believe him. As soon as we have established that the witnesses are indeed proper witnesses, the signatures are their signatures, so at that point, the the document is verified, and despite the fact that it's in the hands of the Malva, the lender, we don't believe that it was just prepared, but rather we assume that it was paid. So this again is a question on Rav, because Rav said, if the Malva, the lender, has a document in his possession, we don't assume that it was paid. Rather, we assume that he was just preparing it. The Gemara says, Ema, rather say, Yiskayim Mechay Samov. We established it based on those who signed it. Because the Shailinan Lahu Iparua, Parua. What we'll do is we'll ask the witnesses if it was paid or not. And if they know, so then we'll believe them. But if they don't know, says Rashi, so then we'll actually believe the Malva. If the lender claims that the reason he has the document is because he prepared it in order to wait for this guy's receipt for when he's going to pay the money that he's owed, so then we'll believe him. Indeed, like Rav said. Tashima, the Gemara tries to bring another proof. 
Simpun she'ishlov edim kosher. If let's say you have this receipt document and it has witnesses upon it, so it's a kosher document. Despite the fact that it's in the hands of the malva, the lender, nevertheless we assume that it has been paid and this is a proper receipt and therefore it's not necessary for the borrower to pay this guy anymore. So that's not like Rav again. The more answer is my edim edekum. What is the case of We're not talking about just regular witnesses that are signed upon this receipt, but rather there are witnesses of the court that are verifying, they're certifying that in fact this document is valid and the receipt already actually occurred. He actually already got paid. Hochinami mistabra, and it actually makes sense that that's the case. Because it says at the end of this price, the she'enel of Aiden Puzzle, that if there are no witnesses on this receipt, so then it's not a kosher document. My enel of Aiden, what does it mean that there are no witnesses? If it would mean that there are no witnesses on it at all, the puzzle, is it necessary to say that it's invalid? Of course. If you have a receipt, you have to have witnesses on it that are saying that this document is valid. The only reason that you could have a hava amina, that we could think that it would be okay is because it does have witnesses, but it just doesn't have the witnesses of the court that are stamping it and saying that we verify that indeed this took place, the payment was already made. So clearly over here we're talking about such witnesses at the beginning and at the end, and that's what's going on. Gufa. We said previously, If you have a document or a receipt and it has witnesses on it, so you establish the witnesses. If it doesn't have witnesses upon it, and it's in the hands of a third party, or if let's say the, the receipt was actually written on the document, the original document that it was used to lend money with, and it's written after the signatures on the document, kosher. In all these cases, so it's fine. It's a kosher shover. It proves that there was a receipt of payment. The reason it's a valid document, if it's in the hands of a third party, is because the mava, the lender, believed the third party, trusted him. In the case where the receipt is written onto the loan document itself, also it's considered valid. Not for the fact that it had already been paid, indeed. So the mava, the lender, would not have ruined his star, his document. We will return to you, chapter 9.